We're going to be in Luke chapter 2 if you want to follow along today. That song said, all we want and all we need is found in you. Do you guys believe that? Is that your heart today? Do you believe that everything you need and everything you want can be found in Christ? Well, here we are at the end of another year. The turn of the calendar year is really just another day, but somehow it holds a unique significance, right? It's a fresh start. It's something new. It's something different. Hopefully something better. Is that where you are today? Are you looking ahead with expectations of what God will do in the coming year? Are you holding on to promises that are in his word? Sean just shared a couple of his promises with us. Are you looking to God's word? Are you trusting in his promises? Here are a few more of God's promises to us. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that you may be where I am also. If the Son has set you free, you're free indeed. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither will there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. If this morning you find yourself counting on the promises of God, let me encourage you to wait with hope and wait with expectation. God will fulfill his promises to you. And if this morning you don't have that that same sense of hope, if you're struggling, if there's things in your life that are difficult, if the waves are crashing over you and you're looking for something to hold on to, then I would say go to God's word and look at his promises. He has made promises to you there, promises for you today, and he will keep them. Would you pray with me? Would you pray silently just now? Would you tell God where you are this morning? Would you be honest with him? He knows your heart. Are there things in your life that he's making known to you that you need to lay aside and turn away from? Are there things that you're looking for from him today? God, we come this morning recognizing our desperate need for you. Recognizing that you're the only one that can provide a real satisfaction in our hearts. 
And so as we come this morning, we come with an expectation. As we look at your word and we consider your promises and we see your son, we know that you're the only hope that we have. And so as we open your word, would you open our minds and our eyes to see you? Would you move in us today? And would you move in this place? We pray in your name. Amen. Well, as we look at our text today, we're going to see several individuals who held on to God's promises and lived with an expectation to see them fulfilled. We'll explore what these three people saw when they looked at Christ. I'm convinced today that all of us will be better off this week and this year if we just look at Jesus. That's my desire today, is to look at Jesus. I hope that's your desire. He's all we want, and he's all we need. When people look at Jesus, they see different things. Right? I mean that in a couple different senses. First off, there are those who look at Christ and see him as their Savior, they recognize him as God. And then there's a whole other set of people who look at Jesus and see him as something else. Right? There's a range in that. Some people look at Jesus and they don't see anything special at all. And there's some people who look at Jesus and they see him and honor him as a prophet and a teacher, but not necessarily a savior and a lord. And then there's also another sense that we can look at Jesus. This would be more like looking at different facets of the same beautiful diamond. Some people will look at Jesus and they will see a mighty warrior who won our battle at the cross. And some people will look at Jesus and they will see a humble servant who laid down his life for us. And both of those are exactly true because the Bible gives us a double picture of Christ as both the lion and the lamb. When some people look at Christ, they see a faithful friend. They see an advocate who stands at the Father's side on their behalf. There's some people who see him as a, a glorious, risen Lord. Some people, when they look at Christ, they see peace or they see truth. What do you see when you look at Christ? All of these things are true of him. Colossians 1.19 says, All of the fullness of God dwells in Christ. And what that means is I could stand up here for eternity, <laughs> just about, and explain to you all of the things that we see when we look at Christ, because all of the fullness of God is in him. Did you get the idea we're going to look at Christ today? We're going to look at him in this passage. We'll start at verse 22. And when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses... They brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. 
As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. We would have to go to Leviticus chapter 12. We're not going to, but we'd have to go there to see the law that said, 40 days after the birth of your first male child, you were to present an offering. And that's what Mary and Joseph are doing here. We're 40 days after Jesus' birth, they go to Jerusalem to make this offering. And in the process of doing that, they meet someone. Verse 25. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So I want us to consider together what did Simeon see when he looked at Christ? But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about Simeon. There's a few things that are said about him here. First of all, it just simply says he was, there was a man from Jerusalem, just an ordinary guy, right? It doesn't say he was a priest. It doesn't say he was a ruler. It says he was a man from Jerusalem. What distinguished Simeon was not his position, but his righteousness. And the passage tells us a couple things about him. Okay? First, it says he was righteous, which just simply means that he understood the law and he followed it. He kept the law. The second thing that it says is he was devout. He was careful about his religious observances and he was a faithful temple goer. The third thing it says he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Sort of a strange phrase. Basically what it means is he had examined the scriptures, realized that there was a coming Messiah who would bring comfort and peace, and Simeon was waiting for that to happen. And the last thing that's said about him is that the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was a man who was deeply influenced by the Spirit of God. Someone who yielded to the Spirit, who listened to the Spirit, and we'll see in just a moment, was moved by the Spirit. That's Simeon. Now, when Jesus taught on the Sermon on the Mount, he said a curious thing. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. I think that verse was literally true about Simeon. The reason why Simeon had eyes to see the Messiah was because he had a pure heart. He was living in that way. He was righteous. He was devout. The Holy Spirit was on him. Do you find the same is true in your life? I do, in my life. When, when I'm living the right way, 
when I'm living in obedience, when I'm confessing my sin, when I'm following God's word, it's much easier for me to see Jesus. An opposite of that is true as well. When I'm not living in obedience to God's word, when I haven't confessed my sin, it's difficult for me to see Jesus. I read the scriptures and it just feels ordinary and I don't see him. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will see. Simeon saw. Part of Simeon's devotion was a faith in the Holy Spirit's revelation to him. And at the same time, a patience to wait. We don't know how old Simeon was. All the pictures of him look old. (laughs) Uh, What we do know is that he was at the place in his life where he was nearly ready to die. Because in a moment he'll say he's ready to depart in peace. We don't know how long he was waiting, but he was waiting. He was patiently waiting on the Lord's promise. Now, the Lord had actually made a couple promises to him. The Lord had made a promise to all of Israel that there would be a coming Messiah who would bring peace, but the Lord had also made an interesting promise to Simeon himself. Let's pick up at verse uh, 27. Oh, sorry, let me back up. It had been 26. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. He took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So what is it that Simeon sees when he looks at Christ? It's pretty clear. He sees salvation, right? Simeon sees a salvation that brings to him a personal peace and to Israel, an eternal hope. He sees a salvation that brings peace and hope. He understood that this child was the one who was going to bring consolation, comfort to Israel. His people, Simeon's people, had suffered for a long time because of their own sin, but also because of the oppression of other people. And Simeon understood that this child was the Messiah who would bring peace and comfort to his people. And seeing this, seeing this child who was salvation, Simeon was ready to depart in peace. <clears throat> Simeon also saw a salvation that was rooted in God's faithfulness. Right? The promise had been made that the Messiah was coming. There was also a promise that was made to Simeon that you won't see death before you see the Lord's Christ. And when Simeon picks up that child and realizes this is the Messiah, the one who has come, he sees that God has fulfilled two promises to him. One, that he would send a Messiah to his people, and two, that he wouldn't die before he saw it. This is a salvation that is rooted in God's faithfulness. God is faithful, and his promises are true. You can count on them. Live with expectation to see them fulfilled. 
The last thing that Simeon sees when he looks at Christ is he sees a salvation that's for the whole world. Right? He sees a salvation that's not just for his own people. He sees a salvation that is for everyone. Salvation was promised long ago. In fact, if you go back to the story of Adam and Eve at the point when sin first entered the world, there's a picture there that hints at the fact that salvation was coming. God had a plan from that point forward. And so, as you look through the Old Testament, you actually see glimpses and prophecies and pictures of this one who was coming. But one curious thing that is also in the Old Testament are, are verses like this, Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6. It says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and to bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light to the Gentiles, that my salvation may reach the ends of the earth. So even though the Jews didn't know it, it was always God's plan to offer salvation to the world, a light for the Gentiles as well as glory to Israel. Now in that passage, I love how it says, it's too small a thing, right, to save just the Jews. It's too small a thing to save just the Jews. God is more glorified by more people understanding and receiving the redemption and salvation that's in Christ. And so he opens the door and he says salvation is for the Gentiles as well. I love that. We have a big God who does big things. And so often we pray for so small a thing. Onto the scene comes someone else who would also look at Christ. Skip down to verse 36. Don't worry, we'll come back. Verse 36, And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin, and then as a widow until she was 84. Here's the curious part. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. So as we turn our focus now to Anna, we're going to look at what did she see when she looked at Christ. But before we do that, there's two things I have to say about Anna. There's a few curious pieces of this that kind of I just marvel at, I guess. Okay, it's, we're told that she was a prophetess, which wouldn't really be all that unordinary of a thing, except this was a time when there were no prophets, right? There had been 400 years of silence since Malachi, and now we have Anna, a prophetess. I find that curious. That's a whole other message, I think. The second thing is she was very old, um, now, I guess maybe 84 isn't that old, but old in this sense. Okay, she was a virgin. She was married. Let's call her 20 when she got married. She lived with her husband t seven years. Now she's 27. Her husband dies, and from 27 to 84, almost 60 years, she lives in the temple, worshiping and fasting and praying to God day and night. 60 years of this. That's a devotion to the Lord. 
She's living with an expectation for what? To see the redemption of Jerusalem. That's what Anna sees when she looks at Jesus. When, when Anna looks at Jesus, she sees a redeemer. She sees a redeemer. Simeon saw salvation. Anna saw a redeemer. Look again at verse 38. And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. Now, redemption is not a common word that we use in our everyday life. Right? Redemption in the Bible has sort of a strange explanation. Uh, if you go back to the people of Israel, if someone got into debt in some way, they might sell their land. Or if it was really bad, they might become a slave. Redemption is this idea of someone coming along, making a payment that returns your land to you or frees you from, from the slavery. That's redemption. And so when Anna was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, it means she was waiting for someone to come along and make a payment that would somehow bring freedom. Now, a lot of people probably thought that that meant someone was going to come along and they're going to free us from the oppression of the Roman Empire who has occupied Jerusalem. That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came for a much more important purpose, which was to redeem people from their sin, from slavery to sin. So when Anna looks at Jesus... She sees a redeemer. She sees a redeemer that was worth waiting for. Worth waiting 60 years for. Right? She'd spend her time fasting and praying. I guess the best things are worth waiting for. She was there on this day and likely heard what Simeon had said about Jesus. And immediately she knew this was the one. This was the one she'd been waiting for. This was the Redeemer. Anna also saw a Redeemer who was from God. She recognizes immediately that this gift, this Redeemer, has come from God. He's been promised by God. He comes from God. And Anna gives thanks to God. That's her first response as soon as she sees Christ, to thank God for sending a Redeemer. The third thing that she sees when she sees Jesus as a redeemer, she sees a redeemer who's worth sharing. Now, even though she was old, just like Simeon, she doesn't see Jesus and then be content to die in peace. Instead, what does she do? She goes and speaks of him to the others who were also waiting. It could be said that Anna is the first missionary that we find in the Bible, the first one who recognized the Christ and went to tell others about the good news of a Redeemer coming. She had not departed the temple night or day for all of this time, but now all of a sudden she's motivated to go. She had patiently waited with fasting and prayer and all of that changes when Christ comes. How about you? 
Do you have a desire to share the good news of Christ with those who haven't seen him yet? Have you caught a glimpse of a redeemer who's worth sharing? Let's look at a third person now who looks at Jesus. Back up to verse 33. It says, And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. We're going to look at Mary and consider what did Mary see when she looked at Jesus. This is probably the hardest one to try to figure out. What did she see? And so I went the easy route, the obvious one. She saw a son whom she didn't fully understand. When she looked at Jesus, she saw several things, mysterious things. First, she marveled. She marveled at what was said about Jesus, right? Simeon called Jesus salvation for all peoples. Some amazing things have been said about him. He's 40 days old, and consider what's been said about him. Right, Gabriel said to her, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. When Elizabeth is talking to her about Jesus, she says and calls her the mother of my Lord. No doubt the shepherds recounted the story of the angels saying, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Messiah, the Lord. All of these things have been said about Mary's son. And here now Simeon comes and says he's salvation. And Anna says he's redemption. Now remember at the time, Mary is a teenager. All right? She didn't have the same long life of devotion that both Simeon and Anna had. She definitely had a great faith and she trusted God, but she hadn't put all the pieces together yet. She had just begun the journey to discover who Jesus was. Beyond marveling along with Joseph, there's a couple other responses that we see Mary have. Earlier in verse 19, Luke tells us, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. And later in verse 52, it says, but his mother treasured all these things in her heart. So one thing we could say is Mary treasured her moments with Jesus. She watches this old man take up her child and call him salvation. Right? How many mothers in this room have had someone grab your son, hold him up and say, he is salvation, right? Just the opposite of that, probably. <laughs> But she sees that happening. While she might not have fully understood the significance of it, Mary knew that these were precious moments to be treasured. She would probably look back on these moments all throughout her life. Not too different than us looking back at pictures, right, remembering what we've seen. She would remember the first days that she had with her son and she would remember these things that were said about him. And she treasured those moments. 
How about you? Do you have treasured moments with Jesus? Have there been times in your life that you look back at? Do you remember the time when you first saw him? Do you remember the times when he came to you and gave you exactly what you needed in that moment? You treasure your memories, your moments with Christ. Well, Mary didn't only treasure the moments, it also says she pondered them. I think this is part of Luke's way of saying to us, she didn't really fully understand all of this. She was putting the pieces together still. So Mary pondered the mystery of Jesus. There was a lot to put together here, right? Angel comes along and says, you're going to have a baby. She says, wait a second, I'm a virgin. How's this going to happen? He's going to be the Lord. He's the Savior. He's the Messiah. She's trying to put all these pieces together. She certainly had some background understanding of God. She had a faith. If you look at the song that she sang in chapter one, you realize that she knew God. Right there, she calls him her savior. She sang of his power and his holiness and his mercy. She praised God for his favor towards her people. She knew that the child that she carried was somehow God's gift to her people, but she didn't fully understand how all that would work out. She had heard people call him the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. It wasn't Jesus, her son, that she was pondering. It was Jesus Christ that she was pondering, right? Is he, is he the Messiah? What does that mean? What will he do? If you know the rest of the story, you know that Mary comes to recognize and follow Jesus with extreme devotion. You can see her throughout the Gospels. You see her standing at the foot of the cross while her own son is nailed and crucified and dies before her. She follows him with devotion. She obviously came to understand who he was, and she followed him. So that's three people who looked at Christ. Each of them saw something just a little bit different. And I'd like to encourage us now just to think, what do we see when we look at Christ? Or maybe the question would be, do you ever look at Christ? Do you spend time just looking? What do you see? I want to I give you some homework I'm allowed to do that because I get to stand up here, right? Teacher gives the homework. I don't know. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> this might seem like a simple, silly thing to you. Sometimes the simplest, easiest things that we do seem to, make, seem to be of little importance to us. But I would just challenge you to consider doing something like this. Are you a, are you a person who wants to see Jesus? Do you want to see him? Do you want to see him? Try this. Throughout the rest of, uh, maybe through the month of January or something like that, read the rest of the book of Luke. Get yourself a notebook and a pen and become a private detective. Look at Jesus. See what he does. See what he says and write it down. It's that simple. I gave you an example of it. 
doesn't have to be a hard thing. Write down what you see. Of all of the things that I've done in my Christian life that have helped me to see Jesus, this one was the one that just completely shocked me. It was so easy to do. All I did was write down what I saw, and when I got to the end of it, I looked at what I wrote, and I was amazed. I was amazed by what I saw in Jesus. Consider doing it. You don't have to. Consider it extra credit. I do have a couple applications that I want to lead us to. Okay? Here's our applications. If you are one who looks at Jesus and would call him your Savior and your Redeemer, I have a couple things for you to consider. The first would be, in 2018, would you be a mover like Simeon? Right? Simeon was a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit moved him to go to the temple, and what did he see? The Lord's Christ. Would you be someone who allows the Holy Spirit to move you in 2018? Would you listen to what God is saying, and would you be determined to yield to the Holy Spirit and act? Would you be a mover like Simeon? The next would be, would you be a marveler like Mary? Right? Mary looked at Jesus with astonishment and wonder. Who was this? Would you look at Jesus that way? I wonder if maybe sometimes we lose our wonder. Right? People talk about that at Christmas. Like, right, kids are astonished and, and, and there's just wonder. And then as you're an adult, it's like, oh, it's just Christmas. That happens to us too in our faith. Sometimes when we're new believers, we're excited about Jesus. And then as we get older, it just sort of becomes old news to us and we're not as excited. We don't marvel as much. Would you be a marveler in 2018? I skipped a couple verses. I want to go back to one of them. Verse 35. Simeon looks at Mary, holds up her child and says he's salvation, but he also says something interesting to her. He says, and a sword will pierce through your own soul as well. Hey, that's good news, right? A sword will pierce through your own soul as well. First of all, it's a foreshadowing of what you'll see happen to her son on the cross. But it's also an indication that she herself would be impacted by what she would see in her son's life. She would see him betrayed. She would see him rejected. She would see him humiliated and beaten and crucified. And all of those things would pierce her soul. Do those things pierce your soul? When you look at Jesus, do you ever feel? Is there a tender place in your heart when you consider what Christ has done for you? Would you marvel at Christ in 2018 and allow your soul to be pierced? One more. Anna. Would you be a messenger like Anna? Someone who saw the Redeemer and was willing to go share the Redeemer with someone else. What does it say? She spoke of him. Would you be one who speaks of Christ in 2018? Now, I recognize that there's likely another group of people here today. A group of people who maybe just aren't so sure about what they see when they look at Jesus. That's okay. That's okay. That's the place where Mary was when she was in this passage. She wasn't sure. 
She hadn't put all the pieces together. That's the place where every Christian has been at one point in our lives. We're at the place of trying to put the pieces together. Does this make sense? How does Jesus forgive my sin? Does he really love me? Yes, and yes, he does. Maybe you need time to ponder it a little longer. That's okay. There's space for that. There's room for you to do that here. But even in that, you have a responsibility. And your responsibility is this. Are you asking someone your questions? If you're trying to discover who Jesus is, if there's pieces of this you haven't put together yet, are you asking someone? There are people here who would love to talk about that. There's friends around you in your hood, as they say. Maybe more importantly, are you asking God to help you through that process of discovering who Jesus is? There's actually one more thing I want to say to that group. If you're not sure who Jesus is, verse 34 says this. This is the verse we skipped. We're back to it now. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. So Simeon says that Jesus was appointed for the fall and rising of many. In other places in the Bible, it says that Jesus is either the rock that you build your life on or he's a rock that you stumble over. Right? There's a choice in how you will see Christ. And so my encouragement to you is this. You're either moving closer to him or you're moving farther from him. In 2018, would you take steps towards Christ rather than steps away from Christ? Which will it be for you? The team is going to come and lead us in one more song. And I want to encourage you to take these few moments to look at Jesus. It's that simple. What do you see when you look at Jesus?